If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. From Brevity Studios in New Zealand, I'm Ryan Wolf. And this is guilt. On the last episode of Guilt, who killed Jordan Midori? He was horrified, man. You know, like it was Jordan. He, he wanted to know what the hell was going on, so he, he, went, he ran straight from the house yeah. and went down Station Road. And you went with him as well? Oh, I followed him afterwards because I was still sort of getting ready myself and by the time I'd got ready, he was gone. Yeah, he did, but honestly, the way he and Jordan argued all the time, he was fired or he quit all the time. They had a really strange relationship. The strange thing was that Jordan was a real straight-up guy. If he didn't like you or something you were doing, he'd ask you to leave right on the spot. So when Gareth turned up and all of a sudden they were arguing all the time and I'm talking screaming and swearing, it was really strange that he let him stay around. Warning. This episode of Guilt contains adult themes and explicit language. Listener discretion is advised. In episode 5, I met Paul Kemp, Gareth's ex-flatmate and the man that was with Gareth the night before and morning of Jordan's murder. Since day one of my investigation, there have been more than a few fingers pointing in Gareth's direction. So the question I had was, were these accusations warranted? Let's be clear, there is absolutely no doubt the police considered Gareth a suspect in Jordan's murder. While his name has never been specifically mentioned in the press, it's very clear who they're referring to. But as very little from the police case has ever been made public, we have no idea whether they still consider him a person of interest. As a result, there is still a well-held belief in Paidoa that he may be somehow involved. We've heard some eye-raising witness statements relating to Jordan and Gareth's volatile relationship and Gareth's possible connection with people of ill repute. 
but in reality, I found no hard evidence of anything nefarious. Was this because Gareth kept his operations under the radar, or is it because there were none? I'd attempted to contact Gareth via a Facebook invite, and after three weeks, hadn't had a response. Eventually, I tried contacting a few of his family, and eventually received word back from his sister, then very shortly after, Gareth himself. I reply that I'm putting together a podcast documentary about Jordan's case, and he responds by saying that he would be more than happy to help, that the family deserves closure. The only caveat is that we must meet in person, and he'd like it to be sooner rather than later. He's ready to put this behind him and move on with his life. Perfect. One week later, I'm in my car on the Auckland motorway. Okay, so... I'm in the car on the Auckland motorway on my way to my interview with Gareth Smith. Um, I'm really looking forward to it and yeah, I mean, I'm not really sure exactly what to expect. I've heard different things from different people about him. Um, So... Yeah, I'm not really sure. One thing I am sure of is I feel that he's got a story to tell that's very important to this. Either it's going to completely exonerate him or potentially not. But really, the thing that I'm interested in is more information about Jordan because... I think that Jordan and Gareth had maybe a deeper relationship than just chef and boss. I think they were potentially quite good friends. And Jordan didn't have a lot of close friends in Paidoa. So I'm really interested to see what Gareth has to say. Also, um, he's sort of, in the messages to me, he's sort of said the word, word closure in terms of you know the family deserve closure and he's ready to speak so I don't know if I'm reading too much into that but perhaps he has some information that I haven't heard before yeah so either way uh, I'm going to grab a coffee and yeah next stop Gareth's house initially I didn't really think much about showing up at Gareth's house by myself. I'd seen a photo of him, and he didn't look like a guy I should be afraid of. But after a couple people told me this was probably not the brightest thing to do, I made a quick stop and picked up an old friend to come along. I said he could wait in the car. In my mind, he wasn't my bodyguard, but could at least be a witness should something go wrong. I'd have to admit it felt a bit silly, but hey, better to be safe than sorry. As we drove into Gareth's suburb in Auckland, it became pretty clear that there was likely nothing to be worried about here. A short distance from the beach, in an affluent neighbourhood. A local's biggest concern in this area would be their local calf running out of chai lattes, not having a murderer next door. We pull up to the modest two-storey house, and I meet Gareth watering a plant out front. Hey mate, how are you? Hey, how are you? Good, good. One flat white. Oh, sure. 
I put one sugar in there. I wasn't sure if that was. Uh, up here. Head upstairs here. So this is a nice spot here. Yeah, it's not bad. You can see the ocean from the deck. Yeah. Nice and close to yeah, yeah. We head upstairs. It's a nice place, with an open-plan kitchen, and from the top deck there's a great view of the ocean. It reminds me of our family beach house from when I was a kid. I half expect to see the classic New Zealand fish species poster on the wall. I say hi to Gareth's partner on the way by and don't get a response. This jolts me back into the reality of why I'm here, and I'm guessing it's not something that everyone's happy to relive. We end up taking seats opposite each other at the kitchen table, and while I get my equipment set up, Gareth tells me about a serious recent surgery he's had. So you've had a bit of a surgery or... Yeah, well... Oh, Jesus. Yeah, had a couple of cysts cut out. Oh, really? What no happened? No reason, just random. Shit. Nothing to do with my health, just... Yeah, they cut out my belly button, and then they missed the main one, which was right inside me, so they took re- Bloody open me. I was on the floor in a ball of pain. So were they actually in your stomach? Yeah, like one was actually attached to the inside of my belly button. So they Jesus. completely removed my belly button. Shit. The other one was, yeah, right inside between the stomach and intestines. But at least, um... Yeah, God, pain. That was unfucking real When I'd first spoken to Gareth via text, I'd made it clear that my goal was to clear up all the rumours so that I could focus on the facts. He'd shown some surprise at the possibility of rumours, and when we finally sat down in person, he immediately expressed interest at finding out what these were. I assured him that we would, but the first, we needed to go back, right back to the beginning, before Paidoa. I asked how long he'd known Jordan. I've known Jordan for, God, since around 20 years. 20 years? Yeah, I've known Jordan when he used to have a place up here. Him and his brothers owned a place called The Cube in Devonport. It was a bar and, like, restaurant. Yeah, and that's back in Devonport. That would have been, yeah, nearly 20 years ago now. So I've actually known Jordan for a long time. I've watched his kids grow up, for fuck's sakes. It would have been all up 20 years. So you're 10 before he died. And, um... So that's what those idiots down there don't actually realise as well, so well, I mean, Jordan knew each other. Jordan's brother Nico is well known on the North Shore of Auckland in the hospitality industry. I'd heard that Gareth had worked for Nico, and this is how he met Jordan. Did you work with Nico up here? Was it? No, I worked at a bar down the road. Yeah, but we used to all go drink at their bar because well, it was a place to go in, in Devonport then. It was really cool. Really good atmosphere. The guys were awesome, all the brothers. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's how I first met Jordan, was through there. Him and his brother Nico. One of the most prevalent theories surrounding Gareth and why he ended up in Paidoa is that he was apparently in some kind of trouble in Auckland and that Jordan effectively offered him a job in Paidoa to help him get his life back on track. I ran this past Gareth. No, no, he wanted to start a little Greek restaurant down there. I didn't have work at the time. That's that was the trouble was. I was just having trouble finding work, so he offered me the job down there, so I went down with him, and that was it. I was here to help open up the restaurant side of his little pizzeria place, which took a bit of time, but yeah, we got it done. Okay. But at that time, it was too quiet down there. I wanted to come back up here. And yeah, a few things started happening then as well, like meat went missing out of the back of the freezer, out the back and there, and he thought it was actually me, which that's when I was like, okay, dude, I'm going back to Auckland. And then this happened. Then he got murdered. 
I asked him whether there is any truth to him being involved with any gangs. I grew up with some nasty little Asian guys when I was younger. You know, I got in a bit of trouble when I was younger. And that's what's all behind me. So I was talking about with a couple of guys that I lived with there at the time, and then they blew it all. They must have gone. That's like, that was in my past. Yeah. I knew some Asians. They weren't like your oh, Chinese fucking triad overseas shit. They were just a group of badass little Asians from back in the day. And were teenagers. Yeah. So they're teenagers. That's long before I even met Jordan. So, yeah, that's when I was very young. And, of course, they just use it as fodder. So, good on them. So when Jordan first started the shop down there, it was just pizza first and he wanted to expand yeah. it? Yeah, he was down there, I think, for about six, seven years before he wanted to start doing the expansion part. So he made all his own tables, all his own furniture for the place too. It was pretty damn cool. And yeah, he just wanted to do that, just wanted a little something more. I think he just missed having a bit of a restaurant thing to it, from having it with his brothers and that. Yeah. And yeah, that's just as much as I know. And he's, I bumped into him in Takapuna one day, he was up here catching up with his brother Nico. I just sat down, had a chat, and he was like, oh, I'm after a chef, yada yada. And I was like, okay, cool, I'm looking for you at the moment. And about a week later I went down with him. And yeah. that was it. And that's how it all started for me down there. Yeah, yeah, a weird little town. There are likely only two people who really know why Gareth came to Paidoa. Gareth and Jordan. One of my favourite principles is a saying called Occam's Razor, which in its simplest form means that in any given situation, the most likely outcome is the simplest one. If we were to apply this here, what's more likely? That A. Gareth escaped Auckland after getting caught up in organised crime in particular the triads, or B, that Gareth, a chef who at the time was unemployed, came to Paidoa on an offer from Jordan to run the expanded kitchen in Jordan's restaurant. I'll let you decide. I've since confirmed with another source that yes, Jordan did expand the pizzeria into a restaurant and Gareth ran the kitchen. So let's move on. The next question is regarding their apparent tenuous relationship. Now, what some people consider volatile, others may not, and he's certainly unlikely to incriminate himself too much in this regard, but I was interested to hear what Gareth had to say in this respect. So, I've heard that you guys used to sort of, not scrap, but have some pretty good arguments and that kind of thing. Hell no. No? There is, but near the end we had a couple of little grumpies, not big arguments, yeah. Yeah. No, that is fucking bullshit. Yeah. So, oh, that's a new, that one I haven't heard. That's a new one. I'm talking about, you know, at, at work sort of thing. No, Pots and pans being thrown around. Oh, and... hell no. That, oh, that is actually a new one. That one I have not heard. Okay, no, that's bullshit. That is complete and utter fucking bullshit. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. 
Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Well, that is definitely a new one. That one I've not heard. Oh, they are really fucking desperate, aren't they? Holy shit. The cops never mentioned that one thing when they went through, gosh, I went through hours of interviews with them. As I mentioned in episode 5, I've worked in a few kitchens in my life, and I'd say it's normal for chefs to argue to a degree. It's a high-stress environment. As Gareth has worked as a chef for decades, and will be used to this type of behaviour in the kitchen, it's likely that he wouldn't see it as anything other than normal. Either way, I think we can take from both the witness statements and Gareth's reply that there likely were a few arguments, but to what extent, we'll never know exactly. The moment they received that knock on the door, and Gareth discovered something had happened to Jordan, has struck me as a moment that must have been packed with emotion. I ask if we can go back to that morning, and what Gareth can remember. Yeah, it was actually shot on my birthday. June the, yeah, June the 21st was my birthday, and the next day would have been, no, I think it was June 20th was his birthday. Right. We'd actually had some birthday bees after work together. Just to clarify, Jordan was shot on the 18th, not the 21st. Me and Jordan just had a couple of birthday bees. And I had a few, went home, crashed out, and then got woken up by my flatmate saying something had happened to Jordan. That's when we went running around and they cornered it all off. Uh, well, when I got woken up, yeah, we found out. Yeah, 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 I just got woken up, they said something's happened to Jordan, yada yada, the police all there cornered mm. off. I just jumped up, a little bit hung over, flung my clothes on, ran down. Yeah. What were the feelings going through you at that point? I was just like, what the fuck's going on? They they didn't say that he'd been murdered or anything, they just said something bad, and I just ran down, and I was like, what's going on? And then the cop told me, and I was like, whoa. I was just... Yeah, I don't know how to explain it. It was a fucking shock, that special... Well, he was a nice dude, man. Everyone did like him. Maybe he got himself in trouble with something he must have. Because you don't get that done to you if you haven't done something. It's just a shame. Yeah. And then from there, the finger just basically went straight at me. Yeah. I was just like, what the fuck? And they all just went all silent and had, they had any little group meetings. And I was like, well, fuck this. I might just come back to it and be around my family. At least have some support. I asked whether there was any truth to the theory that Jordan had actually fired Gareth that last night. No, no, it's not fired. Yeah. Not at fucking all. That is bullshit. Because Jordan, I hadn't even decided when I was coming back to Auckland yet, I was still looking for work, and Jordan was going to let me stay there as long as that took. So whoever said that is once again full of shit. That's another new one. Thank you. Gosh. 
Oh my fucking god, they are really desperate, aren't they? Yeah. They know. One of them, someone down there knows who fucking did it. Because get round the back of that shop, you've got to know that place. It's not just a very obvious place to go. So you don't know just to go where the back of that place goes to. You have to know. And some of the people that Jordan had some little trades with, yeah. Yeah, so I've heard from someone, they said that apparently on the day of... Um, that Jordan was quite agitated or something that particular day. Do you recall uh, anything to do with his demeanour, you know, that day? I've no idea, to be honest. I can't recall. Yeah, I really can't recall what he was actually like that day. Yeah. I know he liked the horses, too, so maybe he had lost a lot of money on the horses or something. I know he loved his freaking gambling, and that's I reckon that's got something to do with it. I reckon he might have borrowed some money off the wrong people. Um, but I heard from people like Christos, mm. and he just said, he was like, no, no, he only used to put small bets on the horses. Yeah. He would play a lot, and like, dude, he, even Lotto, he loved the Lotto. But I know he was down there a lot, Gam. Yeah. But something just, I don't know what it is, something's not right. Someone down there knows something about it. That was very personal. Gareth's comments here about Jordan's gambling habits are interesting. If there has been one consistent theory regarding any potential motive in Jordan's death, it's been in relation to his betting on the horses, and possibly having a big win. But what if Jordan hadn't had a big win, but instead had borrowed money off the wrong people, which he had then failed to repay? It's another angle in this line of investigation. I'm going to take a deep dive into Jordan's gambling and any possible connections with his death in an episode very soon. For now, our conversation shifts to the nature of Jordan's injuries. It's at this point, I feel a shift in Gareth. Tears well in his eyes, and as he speaks, it's almost as if he's not actually replying to me, but just letting out something that sat bottled up for so long. Christos and Heather told me that they actually had... They, um, yeah, the way they had been moved was, was pretty crucial. Yeah, well, that he, there was, he had knife cuts and stuff to his arms. I couldn't know about that. Yeah, well, apparently they, yeah, well, Christos and Heather told me that um, they were asked to bring a long sleeve shirt for the funeral because apparently he had knife cuts and I they didn't, didn't want kids to see. That. that I didn't hear. Mm. That's fucking personal. That's very personal and brutal. Mm. You don't just do that for no reason. Mm. That I didn't actually know about. I didn't know about those wounds. Fucking that is brutal. Mm. Fucking poor bastard. I don't know what he did, but he didn't deserve that. He's a fucking good guy. I mean, obviously, you guys were pretty close. Yeah, well, we knew each other for a long time, dude. Mm. And that's why when it was near that time when all this happened, when I was leaving, that's why it was a bit hard with us being annoyed at each other. We weren't angry at each other. We weren't having huge arguments, throwing shit at each other. That is bullshit. That really fucking annoys me, they said that, those lying pricks. Fucking wankers, man. Someone down there knows something, man. That's personal. Obviously, something's happened. He's got himself in trouble with something. Fuck knows what. Then we... There's some shady locals down there who's buying fresh snapper off, dude. And this shit was... And I told him, don't buy that shit, man. You get yourself in trouble. So there are a lot of little shady fuckers down there. 
Someone fucking knows something. Yeah. That is fucking brutal, man. I can sense in Gareth a feeling of genuine sadness and perhaps some guilt in the fact that their relationship had become somewhat strained towards the end of his time at Mykonos. What he clearly believes is not an accurate reflection of their previous decade. All of us in our day-to-day lives have arguments or go through strained periods with friends, family and work colleagues. But fortunately, we have the opportunity to repair the damage and move on. I can only imagine how difficult it must be when the damage can't be repaired. The broken pieces never fixed, but forever weighing you down. One interesting point here is Jordan possibly purchasing undersized fish for use in the restaurant. In New Zealand, we have very strict regulations around undersized catch. Anyone being caught, particularly for commercial purposes, is very likely to receive harsh financial and criminal penalties. If Jordan was in fact buying undersized fish, could this relationship have soured somehow and ultimately led to Jordan's death? On the surface, It would seem murder would be too heavy a punishment for a fish deal gone bad, but stranger things have happened. I put this on the pile of possible leads. After Jordan's death, locals and well-wishers placed hundreds of flowers and other gifts at the front of his Mykonos pizza shop. Among this huge collection of flowers, notes and the odd beer can was a large wooden sculpture. It can actually be seen in a photo taken at the time on the centre left sitting on top of a green power box. If you're interested, I'll put a photo on my Instagram page. I'd heard that this had been a gift from Jordan to Gareth, and that after Jordan's death, Gareth had placed it back in front of the shop, puzzling some as to why he wouldn't have kept it, possibly pointing towards a fractured relationship. Turns out, this couldn't have been further from the truth. Someone mentioned to me that, um, did Jordan give you a wooden, uh, some kind of a, an ornament or something? I made that for oh, you. Him. Yeah, tell me about that. I'll show you. I just made it, I was bored. So I did a bit because he used to do woodwork. So I did that, and I was like, here you go, dude. And I just took it home one night, just take some photos and show a couple of mates because they wanted some woodwork. And then I took it back and I actually left it outside the shop with all the other, all the flowers and that. So what happened after that, I don't know where yeah. it's gone. Whoever's got that, I actually have no idea. I'm hoping his family have it. I made that for Jordan, but I took it home one night just to take some photos and show some guys who could think about getting me to do some woodwork, but they wanted to see some of my work. That must be somewhere still. Someone must have I that. don't know, dude. I, just, I left it outside the shop, and that's the last I saw of it. Huh. So someone down there has got that. that they can go fucking could you send me a photo of that? Yeah. I'll see if I can track it down. Someone must have it. And if someone's got it, they would. It'll be on display, and someone would have seen it at some point. Oh, there's a good frontal view of it. That's that's amazing. Yes, yeah, so I made that for Jordan, well, and the girls watched me make that. Yeah, because I was right out the back of the shop making in the little woodwork area that Jordan had. I can tell that the thought that people think it was Jordan who gave this to Gareth, and not the other way around, cuts him quite deep. All these years, he's believed that Jordan's family kept the sculpture and we still hope this is the case. I can tell you that knowing this is very important for Gareth. After Jordan's funeral, the flowers and other gifts from the front of Jordan's store were collected and taken to a final speech made by Jordan's family to the town. 
It's quite possible that the sculpture was included in this. However, as Gareth has previously mentioned, the memorial was vandalised prior to this, and the sculpture may have been taken at this time. I've reached out to the family to see if they do indeed have the sculpture, but they've yet not confirmed whether they do at this stage. I'll include a photo on our social media platforms. If you're a local and you recognise the sculpture and know its possible location, please contact me. In the last episode, we heard from a source who had mentioned a memory they had of an interaction with Gareth that they found unnerving. I remember being there to pick Jordan up one day and the blonde guy asked when I was leaving because he was expecting visitors and uh, they aren't the kind of people you want to know. From what I remember, what Jordan told me was the guy had worked for one of his brothers or friends at one stage and was getting himself mixed up in some shit up there, so he brought him down here to get him away from Auckland. The comment about people you wouldn't want to meet had immediately piqued my interest at the time. I asked Gareth if there was any truth to this. That's another new one. Fucking hell, those lot are very interesting. So that will be news to you. I mean, of course, from my point of view, I was like, oh, okay, are you, are you caught up with some sort of shady characters or something? Or No, fucks. This is just, well, this could be a real epic fucking book. A piece of pie to Oh, I need to have a cigarette. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Have a we, quick pause. We can pause this, yeah. I hit pause on the recorder, and we take a break from the interview. At the same time, this is where we're going to end part one of this episode. We'll resume my interview with Gareth in part two very soon, where he'll introduce some key, so far unheard information, which could hold the key to Jordan's case. Guilt is written, produced, and edited by me, Ryan Wolf. For daily updates on the case, you can follow me on Instagram at RyanWolfNZ and our Facebook page, Brevity Studios NZ. Additional voice acting in this episode, Jacob Masters and Mirabai Pease. Opinions of guests of this podcast are just that, and are not necessarily the views of the podcast itself. If you're enjoying this podcast, don't forget to give it a five-star rating. On the next episode of Guilt, Who Killed Jordan Vidori? They gave up way too early, way too easy, I should say. And yeah. that's well, the way they finished with me just so abruptly. Because they took my laptop, they even confiscated some of Dad's bloody rifles. Because the cops came to a big sweep of my family one hit all in one day that they all showed up. My Dad's place, my Mum's place, my sister's place where I was. They confiscated my laptop, and when they just rang me up, said, oh, you can get your laptop, and never heard back from Simpson. I was like, what the fuck's going on? Mm-hmm.